0: Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Chip Nellinger. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire. Helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Axon Tire's got a couple great gifts to give away. One, if you want to get a new baseball cap, send an email to marketing at axontire.com and they will send you a free Alliance camo hat there with the uh, orange lettering fresh off the presses for hunting season. Check that out if you want one of those. Uh, if you want to get $50 off of your registration for the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, send me an email at, moving iron podcast at movingironpodcast.com, and the great folks at Axon Tire will pay the first 150 people <coughs> uh, first hundred and fifty people's registration fee of $50 uh, off of that registration fee. So if you're interested in doing that, send me an email at, movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. Valid Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs of Transportation. Our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, ag direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Tractor Zoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales. Data Stractor zooms, iron comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is also brought to you by Anvil AppWorks, their Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management it is an affordable sales-based, self-force-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work today. Chip Nellinger is with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing out of Morton, Illinois. He's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. Chip, how are you doing this morning, man? Doing well. We're uh getting some rain this morning. It's uh, it is not looking
1: like a white Christmas so far, but uh we'll take the rain, I guess. Right. We need it.
0: We had uh it was, it was one of those deals where we were supposed to get rain, or rain snow uh yesterday and we got it, but we got I think we got a little bit more than what we anticipated for. So it's uh that's the second big snow event we've had. And we're supposed to have a big a big snow event come across the uh high plains here think like Monday through Wednesday or something like that next week. And so we're getting all geared up for that, but it sounds like there could be some significant snow come across places that really need some moisture.
1: Yeah. it uh, That's a good, a good sign. I think that's part of what's uh, been beating up the wheat market here for, uh, you know, the, uh, the last couple of weeks, just one of the issues with that, but uh, yeah, they'll take it. They, uh, there are areas that to really need some significant moisture between now and next spring to kind of, recharge the tank and uh you know help heal up some of the pastures and rangeland and you know kind of get this drought in the rearview
0: mirror hopefully yeah yeah we need three or four inches of rain just to get to a drought so we're doing we're doing good so, <laughs> yeah yeah all right so speaking of us talk about that a little bit so wheat market right now you've been talking about just talked about it got been getting beat up over uh the blast, Oh, a couple of weeks or so we've seen some moisture come through the area um we're seeing some reports out of argentina that they're uh, even though Brazil's getting some really good rains that uh, parts of Argentina and some growing areas there are still in some pretty significant drought I guess you look at what's going on in the Black Sea what's happening there with the corridor being open but we're still looking at getting stuff pushed through like we need to I guess Chip looking at the uh, wheat market going through the end of the year here what are your thoughts there and, and how do you think exports are going to stack up going into that exporting time frame that we look at every year
1: yeah that's maybe one of the biggest uh, issues that we have going we just Cannot get anything going, uh, even through the, you know, the, the meat of that um, Black Sea being closed and, you know, zero in the way of exports, uh, you know, out of the Black Sea, we just could not see much of an uptick in our export demand. So that seems to be the biggest issue in the wheat market. Now, you've stretched this thing to the downside, probably a little bit too far. And, um, you know, I, I think you're probably at a better a better place uh, on the chart, uh, a fairer value in here, but still, this past week's export sales—I mean, we just cannot get out of single-digit territory. So that is the biggest uh, issue we have going forward. Seems like this time of year, um, you know, as you get wheat in the northern hemisphere into dormancy, you know, we talked uh, earlier about the, the the drought in the plains, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas Panhandle. Uh, maybe going to get just a little bit of uh, precip, but. You know, when it's in dormancy, it's hard for the market to get charged up about this drought and production problem. So that, if if we're going to see that, that's going to be you know early spring time frame into you know May June uh, to see if we get some more moisture. So my point with that is there's just not much bullish right now that um, you know is is uh, you know able to kind of get into the wheat market and give funds a reason to buy it. Now I would say that there, we're getting this thing stretched pretty far to the downside. The funds have a pretty big short position built up. So, you know, at this stage of the game, who's left to sell it? And so that's when you can typically see some nice, sharp, short covering rallies. But it might take, you know, deeper into winter, early spring timeframe frame before we kind of refocus the market on what the production potential is. You know, you mentioned Argentina. They're in a drought. They've, they, their wheat crop has definitely been, um, you know, the top side's taken off of that. No question about that. How how much of a production problem they have is yet to be seen, but um, you know right now the market is just searching for something to try to stabilize it and and uh, be on the the bullish side of the ledger, and it's uh, been a tall order to try to find that the last few weeks.
0: Yeah, that is that is very true. A lot of a lot of pressure out there right now. I mean, This whole week has been a rough week for commodities, especially when you're looking at what you've got going on there. We had a uh, what, a, a CPI report, inflation report, came out this morning. Uh, yeah we had the cpi report uh it it did show i mean these these reports are
1: tough to read right what do you compare it to you compare it to a year ago you compare it to a month ago uh it's down it's up they're a little confusing to to read but um at first glance the number came in um now this is what uh producers right manufacturers pay for the goods to turn that into uh end products right And so, um, it was a little bit hotter than expected from a one month perspective, but it is down from October, still sitting north of seven percent. Um, as I look right now the the markets, the financial markets kind of taking this report uh, in stride. I think next week, probably more importantly is the producer price index, uh, and then we've got uh, the Federal Reserve out next week with their next decision on interest rates. So next week we're screaming into the holidays. the volume's going to start. Ah, uh, shrinking in all these markets, and you're going to throw a lot of financial market uh, gyrations in there with whatever the Fed does and whatever that uh, consumer price index report does next week. So inflation's still there. It's ticked down just a little bit from the peak, but it's not dropping um, you know probably uh, as fast as what people uh, would like. Obviously, that's obvious. go to the store, go fill your car up. Uh, yeah, gasoline's still down from the highs, but uh, still, pretty lofty levels when you're talking about uh, a lot of different products out there.
0: Right. Um, so, let's talk about the beef market a little bit and, and what you see happening there. All this is starting to correlate that. You're starting to see two things come together. One, you're seeing oil prices got hammered over this week as well. So, that's going to be some reflection there. Um, cattle prices took a big hit. So, did hogs as well? I um, think this is a short term thing. Phil, uh, for each Chipper, do you feel like this is a little bit of that inflationary period hitting up here a little bit where we're seeing some, some demand? Uh, Starting to week a little bit, weaken a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's that's going to be the battle as we go
1: forward into the first half of of next year. The next two or three weeks, as we kind of get through the holidays, um, you know, it's always a tough time for the livestock markets and, and and the retail meat markets. You know, a lot of that holiday type buying, um, you know, is is kind of in the rearview mirror now, and so you get some fluctuations. We had some big swings in in box beef, higher and lower, the last few days. Uh, so a lot of volatility starting to rear its head but this is the real struggle the beef market um, and pork to a lesser extent is going to fight into the first half of next year. Uh, the numbers are shrinking. I think we're finally at the tail end of some of the um, breeding stock liquidation and the numbers are shrinking as evidenced by the last cattle on feed report. Um, you know, some of the lowest numbers we've uh, we've seen in a long, long time. And so fundamentally, the, the things look pretty good out in the first part of the year. But the question is, you mentioned the crude oil market getting beat up. We're just barely above, uh, or I should right now just just a sh- touch under seventy-two uh, on uh, crude oil prices. That's down from north of eighty a week and a half ago, and the crude oil market's kind of I think pricing in the possibility of a recession in the first half of '23. Uh, so that's going to run, you know, right into the brick wall of our cattle inventories that are shrinking. What should be very bullish. Are we going to be able to hold the demand together? So that's going to be the real dilemma uh, that we're going to be talking about a lot, I think, over the next six months. Can we hold the demand base together? Export sales this week uh, were abysmal on both pork and beef. That could be a seasonal type thing as well. It's just a a one-off. Is it a one-off? We'll have to see. But if that continues, that trend continues into the first part of the new year, where we're struggling on exports at the same time the consumer's getting pinched with inflation and demand falls off, that's going to be something that uh, really could uh, be a, a headwind for uh, the beef market, especially. So uh, it's going to be uh, an interesting few months ahead of us. Um, you know, obviously out, out your way and south, um, you know, record strong basis. So producers are out there buying corn at, you know, uh, $8 plus high feed ingredients. Feeder cattle are, are high price. Uh, you know, pasture conditions are, are atrocious. So, um, you know, it's a challenging time out there for uh, all segments of the cattle industry right now. Um, and you know, the one thing we do have going for us, still fairly high prices. You know, we're in that 152, 153 type uh, range for um, uh, cash cattle, and uh, so it's been holding together. And, and that maybe is one silver lining to look at. Uh, you
0: know, going into the new year here. Right on. Okay. All right. <clears throat> So let's talk a little bit about what's happening over in China. So we saw two days ago a headline came out that China had officially weakened its stance on um COVID-19 lockdowns and they're gonna really take those off a little bit. Obviously, there's a big, a big thing to go there, but now you're starting to see all these reports come in where China's cutting demand on cotton, they're cutting demand on uh soybean meal and all those kind of things that you see that that they have because of where their where their economies are right now. What are your thoughts on how that's going to affect the overarching export business that we see happen right now? And as China comes back online, where do you think and when do you think, I guess, will we start seeing some more of this export boost that we see from China this time of the year?
1: Well, that's all uh, tough, that's questions, tough questions, Casey. For
0: you, if, if
1: I knew that, if, if you and I could figure that out, Good. man, we'd be on an island somewhere. Um, that we owned yeah. with a big yacht out, uh, you know, yeah. tied up out in front of the, our private island. Uh, all all questions that the market's going to grapple with going into the first quarter of 23. Um, you know, it's, I, I think it's going to be back and forth. I, I think you're going to get uh, uh, continually lied to, um, you know, by uh, by Chinese officials on what their stance is and what they're going to do going forward. I'm not even sure they know from day to day um, what their plan is, but um, that's what the market's going to watch every day. And it seems like the last couple months, it's just like, you know, okay, we're going to relax the COVID policy. And then 24 hours later, uh, we're clamping down and, you know, you just don't get good information out of China and you never will. Um, I would say as far as the exports go, you know, there's no different over there. Their economy has been struggling. Uh, you throw this COVID lockdown thing in there and it's even more challenging for their domestic economy. And so there's no question as you look at some of these different categories of what they've been importing, a lot of different, um, you know, line items are, are lower. And, you know, so what does that mean, particularly to our bean uh, export program is going to, you know, kind of depend on what Brazil raises for a crop. We mentioned Argentina is in a pretty severe drought right now. They need some rain immediately or they're going to continue to shave production off the top end. But at the same time, Brazil looks uh, really good at this point, uh, you know, of the growing season. 153-ish type million metric ton crop is expected right now uh, out of uh, Brazil. That's a massive crop. You know, that's well north of 5 billion bushels. Some people think with continuing rain, that crop could be uh, upwards of uh, 5.6, 5.7 billion bushels. That'd be, you know, a billion two bigger than they raised a year ago. Um, they're going to have a lot of beans to export. Uh, one thing's clear to me, China is going to take every bean they can from the Southern Hemisphere at our expense. Um, you know, the last two or three years have been great. You look at the, our bean exports, China takes, uh, what, 55% of our beans great customer. It's been increasing. It's been increasing because they've had to buy it from us because there's been two droughts in a row in the Southern hemisphere. As soon as there isn't a production problem in Brazil, which could be as soon as February, uh, China's going to shut the key off the United States, I'm fearful of, and get every bean they can for as long as they can out of Brazil. Why wouldn't they? They put billions of dollars into uh, the infrastructure within Brazil, river terminals, export terminals, roads, a lot of that has been helped with Chinese money. Why wouldn't they want to see a return on their investment? So that's my fear going forward. And I think that's something from a you know bean standpoint. We're here at uh, you know multi-month highs. We're at the highest level in beans that we've been since September um, on some fears about the Argentine situation, on soy meal rallying because of meal oil spread unwinding but we've got this uh, monstrous brazil crop that uh, you know is kind of in the baby stages right now is it going to grow up to be the you know the godzilla that uh, eats our lunch as far as export competitiveness that is uh, the main issue that we're sailing right towards the waterfall here uh we'll know more by late january first half of february but uh, that'll be here before you know it and uh, you know i, I think china uh, a, if they are slowing down, you know. Back to your question, I feel like I've been rambling to, to answer your question. If the COVID lockdowns and their economy is slowing down, um, regardless, and their bean demand is going to shrink, at the same time, Brazil has a monstrous crop, and we're increasing greatly the supply. That is, that's a double whammy, and that's uh, definitely not a good combination. And that might be exactly what, you know, the next six, eight weeks as we get uh, into the real heart of the uh, growing season.
0: Right on. Okay. Well, good stuff as usual, Chip. Folks want to reach out to you and talk. Let's do this real quick. So we're looking at. Looking at your plan that you as your things are moving in this time of the year, because we're looking at some interest or some interest rates, some uh, input costs and those kind of things, getting the stuff locked in for next year and what that looks like, especially with some profitability that we see seeing on the farm this year. There's going to be some some movement in that direction. What are some of the things you're looking at right now from an input cost standpoint that you're paying attention to that you're talking to your customers about?
1: Well, uh, a couple things. things. Um, number one, diesel fuel, you know, has come way down. It's not to say it can't go a little bit lower, but I think that needs consideration, um, you know, to be looked at uh, the opportunities to, you know, lock some diesel fuel in, especially out ahead. Some, um, you know, fuel suppliers uh, allow you to book uh, out ahead and the way the futures market is structured, you know, the deferred markets uh, are well under where the uh, the spot market is. So that might be an opportunity uh, natural gas has come way down off the highs. Uh, a lot of people uh, out your way, whether it's feedlots running their uh, their feed mills off of natural gas. Some people use natural gas, uh, you know, in grain dryer uh, setups. That might need a consideration. Nitrogen fertilizer. Uh, that's a volatile uh, issue, and that's you know, kind of case by case scenario. Uh, a lot of people have that locked in or, and or applied already you know if it's fall a fertilizer application and you out this way there's a lot of uh, you know fall anhydrous that gets put on um, some people are waiting we have seen some fertilizer and nitrogen uh, numbers start creeping lower uh, even if they go a lot lower i'm I'm uh, a little bit reluctant to think that it's going to get passed along to the uh, to the to the farm price, uh, you know, by the time it's needed this spring. So, um, you know, inputs are really something that, uh, everyone's going to have to struggle with this year. There's no question about that. We've been doing with our customers, um, a lot of number crunching, and it's really going to boil down to, uh, the type of land that you're on and your yield potential. Uh, if you're here in the heart of the corn belt and you have very realistic uh, chances of, you know, raising 240, 250 plus bushel, uh, corn yields, um, it's hard to, to um, you know, get the numbers to swing to beans. But in my mind, that's only, you know, 30 million acres maybe uh, at most. Uh, between corn and beans last year, we planted, uh, what, 180 million acres almost. And so the big, you know, the majority, two-thirds of those acres, um, if, you, if your corn yields are a little bit lower and your bean yields are pretty stable, there's going to be a real fight for For acreage. So, I think the take home is uh, inputs obviously a lot higher than a year ago. Um, We need to really put a pencil to it and figure out what works for our operation. It's going to be the highest priced corn crop uh, uh, to plant that we've ever seen. Uh, With that being said, we're at the second highest um, new crop corn levels that we've ever seen for this point on the calendar and the highest new crop bean levels. Uh, that we've ever seen at this point in the calendar too. So we do have some fairly high, uh, you know, new crop commodity prices to help cushion some of these higher inputs, but it's, this is the time of year to, to really put a pencil to it, really get a plan in place and be ready, um, you know, to execute that, uh, you know, and there might be opportunities. We might be staring opportunities right in the face right now. We've um, you know, for these new crop beans at, at the $14 level, Uh, that seems to have been the cap recently, and that's a profitable level uh, almost any way you dice it, and not a bad place to start, in our opinion. But you got to crunch those numbers. You got to know where you're at. You got to have a plan and then be ready to execute that thing when you get opportunities.
0: Right on. All right. Good stuff as usual, Chip. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you're doing at Blue Reef Agri Marketing. What's the best way to do that?
1: Yeah, the best way is just give us a call uh, at the office. And that number is 309 550 7213. We'd love to
0: chat with you. Right on, man. Um, appreciate you being the podcast, Chip. You bet. Take care, Casey. All right. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Send me an email at movingironpodcast, movingironpodcast.com if you have any questions for any of our guests as they come along. Also, check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC on LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. Check out the video version of this on the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel on uh, YouTube. So, check that out there um everything moving iron related go to movingironllc.com all the information is there for moving iron summit coming up here in nashville tennessee that is slowly starting to come in so check that out um we have i just did book a a good a good speaker and i'll have more information about that uh as uh as uh, here in the next couple of weeks so with that i am casey seymour with chip Miller, it's be really smart folks out. exxon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable salesforce based solution for your dealership create connected customer experience and transform how you work
1: in 21st century hard work Moo! Mm-hmm.